World Series champions open up with a 4-1 win. The Cardinals over the Marlins in the debut of the new ballpark. Welcome to the CBSSports.com Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Adam Azer, Scott White, Marlins fan Al Melchior here. It's Thursday, the 5th of April. So, one yeah, of the books, what do you think? Way to rub it in. <laughs> Marlins fan. It was hard to be a Marlins fan last night. They didn't look good. They did not look good at all. They, uh, you know. Pa- is it time to panic, Al? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, maybe there were a few moments for me of panic last night, but, um, you know, they showed some signs of life. And I've actually watched a lot of Marlins games where they just can't solve the starting pitcher. And even when it's, when it's a good bullpen, they sort of wake up in the seventh to ninth innings and. That happened a little bit, but too too little too late last night. Coming up on the show, we got your emails, fantasybaseball at cbsinteractive.com. Put podcasts in the subject line. We'll read those later. We'll talk about some guys that Alan Scott are nervous about coming into the season and guys that they're feeling pretty good about after spring training. We have a lot of news and notes to get to, some young pitchers that made rotations that you should take a flyer on, and, of course, a recap of... The Cardinals 4-1 win over the Marlins. And Scott, yesterday was the debut of Fantasy Baseball 360, which is a live show, video show on our website, cbsports.com, 5 p.m. Eastern every day of the week, every weekday, excuse me. And it uh, went, went very well yesterday. Congratulations. You were on there with Nando. Al, you on tomorrow? or Tomorrow, today? You're Friday. on tomorrow. Yep. So you guys will be rotating in and out. Um, George Sedano hosting that one. He's an excellent radio host down here in South Florida, and he did a great job yesterday, but it looked like it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I, my favorite part, I'm sure everybody's favorite part if they watched it, the, <laughs> the Save Me Scott segment. Yes. That's where listeners um, or viewers write in with their life questions about you know relationships and financial things, and Scott gives his advice about everything, right? Well, more about sending <laughs> me their fantasy lineups, oh, okay. uh, their benches. And, so you're and starting I, with that, but then you're branching Yeah, can, yeah, we, can maybe, we expand it on the, show, on the podcast? Maybe to uh, other areas of life, but for now, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with the fantasy base baseball lineups uh so you know if you didn't catch the show but you still want to be a part of that send your lineup your bench maybe some top waiver options uh to the the same address you send your podcast questions uh and I'll, I'll set your lineup for the upcoming week. Fantasy Baseball at CBSInteractive.com. And don't ask for Scott's advice on baseball movies because he's never seen The Sandlot. And I just... I've seen The Sandlot now. Oh, when did you see it? Uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, what'd you yeah. think? It was good. It was a good. Uh, there was a lot of lines I, I've, I've just like you're heard killing me in smalls. life. You're, you're killing me, Smalls. I can't think of the other <laughs> one now, but yeah, there, there's a couple of those, and I, I never knew that it was from the Sandlot until I saw the Sandlot. Ah, well, oh, okay. there you go. All Piece right, of so my you, childhood was missing. You can't ask Scott now. Marlins Cardinals, let's get to this. You got to talk about Kyle Loesch, 50% ownership, and he goes seven and a third, two hits, one run, no walks, three strikeouts, took a no-hitter into the seventh, and really... He shouldn't have given up a run because that call at first base was the worst part of the game. The call at first base was worse than the center field home run sculpture, which never lit up, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, what do you think about Loesch, Al? Well, he looked sharp. You know, I have to give him credit. And it was a little reminiscent of the Loesch early last season when he was really good. Um, you know, curveball was sharp. And, um, 
you know, just uh, had the Marlins off balance uh, all night long. So uh, I have to give him credit, and I think I have to agree with Scott's assessment, too, that the Marlins didn't look good. But, you know, Loesch just had a, a, a nice game. Uh, I have to say one of my favorite uh, tweets of the night came from our uh, assistant managing editor, uh, Jeff Tobin, who said, well, even sometimes a blind squirrel finds an acorn. So I don't necessarily expect this from uh, Loesch uh, every time out. It doesn't really change my uh, view of him going Which is forward. What? Which is, um, you know, NL only guy. Okay. And I, I left him off the top 70 entirely. Sure, I'd like to take a mulligan on that one. But, um, you know, next week, yeah, I don't, I don't uh, see giving him that much of a boost. Loesch or Cologne? Uh, yeah, Cologne. Yeah, Cologne. Loesch or Dubrat? <laughs> Um, I would go with Los over Dubrant because he he's go- I trust him to keep the job and because he does at least have a history of some success in the majors. Okay, Josh Johnson, the six innings, three earned runs is not so bad, but the ten hits is bad in six innings, and the velocity a little concerning. I know it's early, but th- yeah. you know you want to see him throwing ninety eight, not ninety four. Right. I was kind of thinking that as I watched the game last night, too. It was 93. I saw him hit 94 two or three times, and I seem to recall him hitting 96, 97. Um, but then I looked at his average fastball velocity on fan graphs over his career, and it's it's usually in that 93 to 94 range. So maybe uh, mm, that's... maybe we shouldn't make too much of it. That's interesting. What do you think about that, Al? Yeah, no, I'm not too worried about the velocity. And actually, he again, he got better as the game went on. Did not look good at all the first, I'd say, three innings. But then we started to see the Josh Johnson he expected uh, his last couple of innings in the in the game. So not a good outing overall. But I'm I'm not too worried. Okay, three hits for Furcal. He's owned in 35 percent of leagues. He also stole a base. Three hits for David Freeze. Who are you more excited about? Uh, after I, yesterday, I think there's the potential for a breakout season from Freeze if he picks up where he left off in the playoffs, and so far he has. For Call is just too old su- to sustain this over the season. I I don't even see him as a twenty steal guy. Um, okay, man, I don't trust him to stay healthy. Well, my last thought on this game was that the park played pretty big last night. You yeah, know, Stanton. I, I I'd be really angry if I'm a Stanton owner right now. <laughs> I, I heard he hit two balls that were pretty yeah. deep. I only saw one, uh, and, but he and crushed it. And, he, and these are like easy outs. Yeah, he crushed a couple. Lomo crushed one to right that mm-hmm. ended up being a long single. Uh, Hanley hit a pretty deep fly ball to left. Yeah, and I kind of downplayed it at first, but a- after this first game, I, yeah, I have to say I'm a little concerned. Now, uh, apparently the way they configure the stadium, roof opened or closed, windows up or down – will have some effect on that. The windows were down, and that created a breeze, apparently. Uh, so maybe they'll start having the windows out in in left field, or left, uh, well, the left field uh, yeah. area of the stadium. They'll have those up, and hopefully that'll help things. It's it's hard to make too much of it after one game. We We need a larger sample to know really how it's going to play, but... Uh, I, I think there is some reason for concern. Yeah, I think one of those Stanton shots got, got blown in a little bit. So, yeah, that could, that could come into play. Good for the pitchers, not bad, not good for the hitters. Al, you had just got off the phone with Matt Thornton. I did, I did. I uh, talked to him uh, for a, a piece that I'm working on that should be on the site within a couple of days. But, um, you know, I had to ask him about the White Sox closer situation and um, his uh, – his take on it was pretty succinct. He said, uh, well, our game tomorrow, if we have a two-run lead uh, late in the game, 
We'll find out what the situation is then. Thanks for the info. So, yeah. <laughs> Not what I wanted to hear, but uh, you know, it means he's still in the running. On to the notes now. Got to start out with the most important one. Josh Altman, he strained his oblique, vomiting from food poisoning that he got from Denny's. And I was all over Twitter defending Denny's. I don't want this you to were. reflect. I love Denny's. You know what my last meal was before I got married? Was it a Grand Slam? It wasn't a Grand Slam, but it was a Denny's breakfast. I, I'm a moons over my hammy guy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how you guys feel about that. I love the name. It's a good, you know, it's a good meal, too. But It is very good. I like, just like to order it just to say it. Well, Josh Altman, you have the weirdest injury um, of the year. And I, I think it's going to be hard to top that. I know it's opening day, but that's the weirdest injury of the year. I'm going to, I'm going to say for the rest of the season. Well, you have to admit he's quite a hurler. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Ow. All right. Yeah. And I just thought of that right now, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, sure. All right. Alfredo Aceves. <laughs> so we have to apologize yesterday. Yesterday we were all about Mark Melanson on this show. We should have been all about Alfredo Aceves, apparently. Scott, your take on this? Well, I'm never going to be all about Alfredo Aceves until uh, you know, until we get we see six or seven saves from him, and and can trust that one, the Red Sox do anticipate him. You know, I, I think the way Valentine worded it is, if if there's a save opportunity tomorrow, I'm going with Alcevez. So I, I don't know that that really means Melanson's out of the saves picture. Uh, obviously, if, if a need develops in the rotation, Alcevez is capable of doing that, and he might be incapable of closing. We haven't really seen him uh, work as as a closer, obviously, or even a, a late inning reliever. So, uh, uh, whoever does end up getting the majority of saves in Boston, as long as Andrew Bailey's going to be out, which looks like at least the entire first half, they're going to be worth owning. I'm still not rushing to pick up. Alcevez outside of deeper leagues, though. Well, who would you rather own? I would rather own Melanson whoever or wins Alcevez? it. Uh, well, between the two, yeah, Alcevez. But um, I would rather take a flyer on either Thornton or Hector Santiago. Um, I would rather go with Jonathan Broxton, who looks like he's going to start out getting saves for the Royals. Uh, I, I, there's. You know, it, obviously, if you need saves, Alcevez might be the best option out there. But I don't necessarily trust him. Okay, I think he could be effective. I think you know, it's a bit of a learning experience, really, because uh, you know, I know I certainly it never occurred to me that Alcevez could be a, a closer candidate. And I think you know, I certainly get a preconceived notion of okay, there's a pecking order, and you got a setup guy, and he just moves in, or the strikeout guy moves in. You never know what a, a manager might do, though. Okay, some more notes from around the league. Hector Sanchez wins the Giants' backup catcher job. Hooray. Uh, Ray's closer, Kyle Farnsworth. This is more newsworthy. So he has an elbow strain. I guess, was that good news, Al? Relatively, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, because uh, he's not going to need surgery. There's nothing uh, structural there, but doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be back in week two or week three. Uh, it's it's going to be a day-to-day, uh, week-to-week kind of thing with Farnsworth. And meanwhile, you've got probably a, a committee situation there that uh, devalues uh, everybody. Yesterday, we talked about Peralta and Rodney. We said Peralta, the better option, but now J.P. Howell in the mix as well. So is Peralta still the best of the three? In my mind, yes. Uh, but then I also thought Mark Melanson was the best guy in Boston. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you have to wait and see what Joe Madden does. But I would, would go with Peralta if I had to pick one. Graham Godfrey is in the A's rotation. Tyson Ross optioned to AAA. Al, what do you think about Godfrey? 
Uh, this is a surprise to me too, uh, and I haven't seen anything from his minor league numbers to indicate long-term success uh, in the major leagues. Um, but you know, he could be fine as, as an AL-only option. Uh, but you know, they have so the A's have so many young guys waiting in the wings, including Tyson Ross. That um, I just think that Godfrey's not a good long-term choice for uh, for fantasy. What do you think the A's rotation is going to look like in June? <laughs> how, how are we projecting these guys? I think uh, in June... McCarthy will be on the DL, right? McCarthy or <laughs> Cologne be. or both. <laughs> you know, Braden looks like he's not going to be back for a while, had a setback with his shoulder issue. So uh, I could see Ross, Peacock, Parker all in there in June. It's it's certainly within the realm of possibility. I think they they all will be up and contributing in the rotation at some point this season. Best one. Best one. I will go with Peacock for now, Parker long term. Agree with that 100%. Giants, the baseball ones. Brandon Belt is the opening day first baseman. And Brett Pill made the Giants roster. First belt, Scott. Belt, they kind of the Giants kind of toyed with everybody on this because they acted just a week ago like he was going to begin the year in the minors. And the issue apparently was uh, how he sets up at the plate. They thought he was up too far in the batter's box and was getting beat on fastballs last year. Uh, but he kept hitting even at the point of spring training where all the, the minor leaguers were out of the picture. So I guess they decided, well, maybe he's capable of handling it. I, I hope I hope that's the case because obviously this is a high upside player. I'm still – he deserves to be owned in all leagues just in case. It is the 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 possibility that he has overcome that. But I, I'm uh, I'm still a little wary of it um, since uh, since just a week ago. They were talking like he wasn't ready yet. Okay, and what, what's Brett Pill's deal? Is he someone that's intriguing in deeper leagues? Deeper leagues, sure, because he's very versatile. I could see him getting a lot of time at second base. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, um, yeah we don't know, but uh, you know, there's certainly the potential there, even without a regular role, for him to play enough to, uh, to be rostered in deeper leagues. Uh, yeah, I mean, he would have to play another infield position because the thing about first base is – if Belt doesn't work out, they have Aubrey Huff still, who who looks like he's going to left field to start the season. Um, so uh, I, I guess I'm not as optimistic Pill will get the at-bats. Sean Rodriguez is going to get most of the starts at shortstop for Tampa Bay. What do you think about Sean Rodriguez? And you know what? Let's compare him to Rafael Fercal. Who would you rather have? I would rather have Fercal, even though Rodriguez will probably get more playing time uh, because Fercal uh, inevitably gets some DL time every year. Um, but yeah, you know, unless Reed Brignac gets healthy and gets it together, there's not a real threat to Rodriguez's playing time. I don't think Elliot Johnson's going to be the guy to uh, steal uh, starts away from him. What about Jeff Kepinger, though? That's uh, true. It's a, a possibility, but I mean, you know, that would even just be, even if they were in, the Rays were inclined to play Kepinger a lot, I could see him starting a lot at second base. In fact, that's Probably what he's going to do a lot to start the year. To start the year. With Zobris in the outfield, yeah. Yeah, with Upton on the DL. But when Upton gets back, uh, unless they kick Joyce out of the lineup, Zobrist is going to have to spend most of his time at second base. So I, 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 um, I'm higher on for call, too, I guess, is, <laughs> is what it ultimately boils down to. But I, I don't really see any redeeming quality in, in Sean Rodriguez. I think he's shown he's a quadruple-A player, and... 
Uh, I don't I don't trust him to provide much statistically. You guys had John Heyman, our uh, baseball insider for CBSSports.com on Fantasy Baseball 360 yesterday. He came on and asked him about uh, Michael Pineda, and he didn't really have a great take on Pineda. He seemed a little pessimistic about Pineda, Scott. Well, I mean, his his point is a good one. Anytime you're talking about a pitcher with sh- shoulder problems, that's a bad thing. Uh, but I, it, it, it still makes me feel a little better knowing that there is an explanation now behind the loss of velocity this spring, which which was the main reason he, he wasn't performing well. Um, and that because an MRI showed no damage – a few weeks of rest, maybe six weeks, two months tops. Uh, he'll be back in the rotation for the Yankees and, and living up to fantasy owners' expectations. I hope so. National starting pitcher John Lannon. He's in the minors, Al. He wants a trade. He thinks he should be on an opening day roster. Is he worth owning now before he gets traded, maybe to a favorable situation, and people want to pick him up? Well, that's tricky because he could switch leagues, and I don't think he is worth owning in mixed leagues unless it's a really deep mixed league. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, Landon, he deserves a job in real baseball, and he deserves a job in fantasy, but until his uh, situation gets settled, I think he's, uh, he's got to be avoided. Mets starting pitcher Jonathan Neese signed a five-year, $25 million contract, which means we get to talk about him. General thoughts on Jonathan Neese. My thought is... You misspelled his name. You you remembered to put an O instead of an A, but you put it <laughs> in place of the wrong A. It's a Jonathan, not a Jonathan. I thought Jonathan Sanchez was Jonathan. <laughs> no, you got the wrong Jonathan. Jonathan. It's Jonathan Nice. Oh, he doesn't okay. stay. Sanchez doesn't stay in games long enough to make it a Jonathan. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh man, I butchered Jonathan Nice's name. J O N O T H A N. Come on, that's pretty horrible. <laughs> it says basically he his doesn't name care because he's making some coin now. His, ba- his name is basically Joe Nathan. If you if you separate it, uh, if you had an O at the well, end of Nathan instead don't. of an A, it's a Jonathan. That's a Jonathan. <laughs> oh, oh, right. No, no, John. <laughs> so confused. Jonathan We're so off track here. Yeah, go ahead, Jonathan Neese. Uh, uh, clearly, this shows the Mets have confidence in him. I know Al Melchior has a lot of confidence in yeah. him. Likes him as a breakout this year. And, he, and he's shown flashes, uh, particularly with the strikeout rate. Uh, I, I just He's the kind of pitcher who would have excited me in fantasy three or four years ago when uh, there weren't so many high strikeout, low whip types as there are now. Um, to me, his upside is somewhere in the range of like a Wandy Rodriguez and... and that's just not that exciting to me. You know, actually, I agree with you, um, but the excitement comes in that, and it started to change, but the perception, certainly I think even late last year about Nice was that he didn't have Wandy Rodriguez potential. He wasn't going to be a middle-of-the-rotation uh, candidate in fantasy. Um, you know, so that to me is what makes him exciting is that you can. In fact, this year I did get him as an end-game, endgame pick in a lot of leagues um, when I think he's going to deliver value that's considerably higher than that. Is he going to be an ace? No, I'm very doubtful about that. Is he going to be the best uh, Mets pitcher? Uh, he or Dickey. Uh, I think they're going to be pretty comparable in terms of uh, production. Best Mets pitcher this year, what do you think? I'll go with Dickey. He'll be more more valuable in real life than fantasy, but in head-to-head leagues, uh, he'll, he'll go deep into games. Diamondback starting pitcher Trevor Cahill has had a really bad spring, and... I don't know why, just 
I don't like him. I'm not high on him. I wasn't going to draft him. He was one of those guys that I – maybe he burned me a little bit last year. I'm not sure. He pitched well yesterday, though. Okay, he did? Yeah, four innings. He didn't start the game, so he was kind of easy to overlook. But I think it was four shutout innings, gave up only like one hit. Oh, that's good. I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head, so I may be a little off there. But it was it was an encouraging outing, and I still feel pretty good about him. Uh, I I, again, I don't see him as an ace because he lacks the strikeout potential to be that. But uh, I think he'll get back to being, now that he's in the National League, he'll get back to being closer to what he was two years ago than last year. Yeah, you like him, right? Uh, I do, but I'm a little nervous about him. Not that this really makes me more nervous. I would have been encouraged maybe by a better spring performance. But uh, I think he's going to be great eventually. I just don't know that this will be Cahill's breakout season. Last note here. Rockies starting pitcher Jorge De La Rosa placed on the DL. He's recovering from Tommy John surgery. What is his timetable, and is he worth stashing? He's owned in just 9% of leagues. Well, the timetable is mid-year because that's last year he had the surgery, and it's pretty uh, predictably a, a, t- a 12-month uh, cycle uh, for a lot of starting pitchers. So uh, in terms of what his value is, I don't think that there's enough production there and enough certainty about what he'll give you when he comes back to stash him in a a standard mixed league deeper mixed league if you got a a spot to use i don't see a problem there best guy to take a flyer on i'm gonna try to tie together like a week's worth of shows with some of these uh guys who made the back end of rotations and we're kind of hearing about them late in the spring training game and now we're in the regular season so give me a few guys that kind of stand out to you as the best to take a flyer on of these starting pitchers. Luis Mendoza, Danny Duffy, Felix Dubrant, Kyle Drabeck, Joe Carino, Ross Detweiler, Kyle Weiland, Lucas Harrell, Liam Hendricks, Tommy Hunter, Drew Smiley, Graham Godfrey. Do I have to pick a few of them? <laughs> <laughs> three. Three? That's oh. I just underlined three. You okay. know, the only one of these... Okay, there's there's maybe two who I could see potentially making an impact in mixed leagues this year. And it's just because you know they have some upside, and that's Kyle Drabeck and Danny Duffy. I'm still not taking a flyer on them yet. Duffy doesn't even have a—well, he does have a job. I take that back. I I don't expect him to have a job long because I expect him to lose it when Felipe Polino comes back. Uh, And Kyle Drabeck hasn't shown enough this spring to make me think uh, he's over his issues last year and and ready— to to take a step forward but they do have upside and and you know stranger things have happened in deeper leagues uh i think luis mendoza uh is is equipped to to pitch deep into games be an innings eater type but uh he doesn't have much strikeout potential and you know they're just based on the kind of pitcher he is he could end up being just a disaster (laughs) (laughs) so uh so, yeah, I, I don't see him being a mixed league guy at any point. I, I would take a flyer on him in, in AL only probably. Uh, but then none of these other guys excite me at all. I have a totally different take on the Royals situation. I think it's going to be Mendoza that's going to be the guy. I, I Of all these guys, I probably like Duffy the best because I think uh, he showed some flashes of uh, brilliance last year, and he's going to help you with strikeouts. I don't know if he's going to 
have a strong enough command to, to help you in every category. But uh, as a young guy, I think he could improve in that area. Mendoza to me is a guy that should probably be on the twins. I mean, he's a contact pitcher who has to, who really operates on a very th- uh, ice thin margin. And if he's not getting a lot of ground balls, he's going to get killed. Uh, I think even in Kansas city. So I'm not that high on Mendoza. They, the organization does seem to love him. Uh, but I'd rather take my chance with Duffy than Mendoza. I like Dubrant as well. Um, in a recent column, I likened him, likened him to sort of a left-handed Yuli Chassin, uh, a guy who could really be a monster in ERA, but you're, you have to be willing to take a, a hit and whip. Uh, if you're in that situation, I think Dubrant could uh, pay off big for you, and I think he will stick in the Red Sox rotation. Uh, like Kyle Weiland with the Astros, not so much depth there that I think he's uh, going to be on a short leash. Um, and Joel Carreno, we uh, talked about, uh, I think it was yesterday, Good strikeout rates, just not a lot of experience uh, in the upper minors. But if you're talking about just taking a, a flyer in a deep league, uh, could pay off big, uh, sort of like uh, Ruby De La Rosa when he came up from Double A. Let me ask you something. When you talk about a guy helping in ERA but giving you a hit and whip, yeah, like that, that basically means he's wild usually. <laughs> Yeah, but isn't that going to come back to bite him in the ERA eventually? Uh, if they have a good, strong, consistent history of stranding base runners or you know, avoiding home runs or uh, you know, extra base hits, they can compensate for it. And that's both Chassin and Dubrant fit in that category. Well, okay. No, I'm, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I, 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 I kind of disagree with it fundamentally, but I, I, well, I see his point. Think about the, the flip side of Josh Tomlin, one of the leaders in, in the majors last year in whip, but horrendous yeah. ERA because all he gives up are home runs. Yeah, a lot of home but runs. But if you get nickel and dimed to death, that's going to kill your whip, right. but you're not going to give up a lot of that, runs. That's, that's what I mean when I say I see your point, but I, I, still, I still don't see a, a, a shaky whip guy as ERA help. I, I just don't think I can trust that <laughs> well, now it's time for some lists guys you're nervous about this season guys you're feeling great about after spring training start out with the, the spooky ones the, the guys you're nervous about al you've got six guys on this list one of them is Ubaldo jimenez is also on scott's list so why don't you start out talking about mr jimenez all right um yeah and i know there was some discussion on our fantasy baseball 360 show yesterday and I, I had a feeling that was a name that was going to be picked out because I had Jimenez sort of in the, the middle of the top 70. And, and even as I put him there, I felt like that was something of a risky pick, but I felt like I had to give some weight to the fact that Jimenez you know, has pitched well in Cleveland in, you know, at Progressive Field, um, that you know, even parts of last season, Jimenez was, was very effective. Uh, I don't want to completely throw out the baby with the bathwater in terms of you know, the recent... Uh, <laughs> Is that the right expression? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it is. I have no idea. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I, I don't hear it often, that's, but that's I think I've cliche, heard it before. That's my cliche of the week. You have some good ones. What does <laughs> that mean? The it's baby like, with the bath. You, you haven't heard it, but you, no. you've never. Adam's like, never heard of Al's yeah, cliches. Yeah, you're, you're cliche deprived. You also didn't know rubber meets the road. So, <laughs> yeah, but back one. to Ubaldo. So, uh, you know, so that that kind of uh, is a, a in a nutshell my feelings about him. Like I, I see the promise. I think there's the you know number two starting uh, pitcher potential there. But he scares me to death in terms of what's happened this spring, what you know, the the injuries uh, that have sort of been nagging on and off for the last year plus. I'm as nervous about him as I am uh, any pitcher. Let's do some quick hits on the rest of your guys. Buster Posey. Yeah, again, just coming back from the injury plus the shaky power numbers early last season and a spring that was probably better than I expected, but not terrific. 
Justin Morneau, who Scott's kind of feeling good about. You're not so much uh, in that category. Yeah, and, and Scott has pointed out before that um, Morneau did finish the spring strong, but that he struggled with the post-concussion syndrome for a long time. We've seen other players who have sort of come back for brief periods and uh, struggled again, so I'm, I'm just still nervous about Morneau. Yeah, 462 with three home runs in his last eight spring games. And with Morneau, I, I feel like if he was gonna, going to come back, it would be kind of like this, where suddenly he'd flip a switch one day and suddenly would be uh, Morneau again. I think the Phillies plan to play him mostly at the Phillies. The Twins plan to play him mostly at DH uh, is is going to uh, help him concentrate on the hitting and and stay healthy. Obviously, I think it's uh, I'm starting to be encouraged about that. Just like the baby in the bathwater, you know, right? Don't want to throw it all out. No, <laughs> whatever that means. Uh, next up, Shinsu Chu. Al, you're nervous about him. Yeah, um, you know, and I've been approaching him in, in drafts this year, like. You know he's going to be the same old Shinsu Chu, but truth be told, I'm not a hundred percent convinced. I mean, I did we didn't see enough from him last year for me to be completely confident that he's going to be the same guy. And I think part of that too is that I expected him to sort of take off and really break out two three seasons ago, and he sort of flatlined. So I'm worried maybe that's the best we're ever going to see from Chu. So yeah, I'm a little nervous. Ichiro, four hits in opening day. And you're still nervous about yeah. him. Yeah. Did you a, see those hits? No. Two of them were infield hits. Well, hey, look, that's much, what he does. Yeah, exactly. You, that is, you can't rely on infield hits. Well, and, and, and it's the age thing with him. His game at his age, I don't know if he's going to be able to have the kind of bounce back season that he needs to have. So uh, I'm not sure uh, that Ichiro isn't on the steep part of the age-related age decline, but there's enough good stuff there, like you said, Adam, that... Um, I'm nervous instead of just completely giving up on him. And Max Scherzer. Yeah, Scherzer. Um, here's a case where the spring numbers really are the, the determining factor because, you know, last season he was so inconsistent. Um, and then the spring, it was kind of the same old thing where he gave up a lot of, had a lot of strikeouts, but still gave up a lot of base hits. And that's been his pattern. And I'd like to see a break from that pattern before I can trust Scherzer to fulfill the potential that he's got. Scott, you have any disagreements other than Morneau? Posey, Shinsu Chu, Ichiro. And Scherzer, I know you agree on Hibaldo. Um, I think I, I, I'm not as concerned, I think, with Posey, Chu, or Scherzer. But that being said, I, the points Al brought up on all of them were valid, and, and I can't, I don't have a strong counter to any of them. So uh, we'll, we'll just let it go. Okay, <laughs> Scott's concerned about Ubaldo Jimenez, as mentioned. Dexter Fowler. Yeah, Dexter Fowler, obviously, I liked him a lot as a sleeper coming in. Uh, Close to 900 OPS in the second half when he came back from a stint in the minors. Finally got his swing from the left side of the plate in order. It's not so much the numbers this spring that that scare me, uh, but the fact that combined with those terrible numbers, they're saying his swing from the left-handed side is all messed up again. So if if Fowler can't get that back on track, you know he's going to be a big disappointment. You were nervous about Ike Davis, but not so much anymore. Right, homered in three games. Um, he had a bad spring before that, uh, with and with the Valley Fever, we don't know exactly what to expect from that. It obviously hurt Connor Jackson, but homering in back-to-back-to-back games relieves a lot of those concerns. John Mayberry. John Mayberry hit about 200 this spring, and Juan Pierre was playing a lot and hit over 300. Uh, the Phillies seem to like Pierre. Obviously, he has a good—well, uh, he's, he's a— 
a proven track record as a leadoff hitter. We could argue about how good of a leadoff hitter he really is. Uh, but it seems like the Phillies are going to want to give him some at-bats, whether those come more out of Mayberry's pool or Ty Wigginton's pool remains to be seen. Wandy Rodriguez you're nervous about. Just a little nervous. Honestly, I was trying to think of a fifth player. He's the best <laughs> I could come up with. But uh, strikeout rate has dropped the last two seasons. Walk rate has risen. And then he had an even 12 to 12 ratio, one to one ratio, basically, uh, in 21 innings this spring. And uh, obviously, you can't count on him for wins, really, with the Astros. So if he's not getting the strikeouts and producing at least a respectable whip, what is he doing for you? Well, you didn't have to come up with five because uh, Al gave us six. So I know. Yeah. I didn't want to go six and four. <laughs> it seemed a little too far apart. How about some guys you're feeling great about after spring training? Al, it's Hanley Ramirez. Uh, he's number one for you. Or he's one of your guys on your list. Oh, you gave six, six of these too. So... You uh, feel good about Hanley, but last night he showed he's got some work to do as a third baseman. He does. Well, and hopefully that will at least won't translate to the plate. As a Marlins fan, I want to see Hanley be well-rounded. As a fantasy owner, I just want to see him hit the ball, and that's what he did in spring training. So uh, he seemed to get over the timing issues that were uh, dragging him down early last year. Delman Young, has he become a guy that you're going to start pretty much every week right now that you're thinking in a mix? Right now, if I have him, and I do have him in in a couple leagues, uh, I'm starting him because, uh, again, very hot spring on the heels of a really good late season last year. Andy Dirks. Yeah, guy who you know had some pretty nice minor league numbers. Uh, I know he was sort of on the bubble even to make the squad coming into spring training. He leaves it with the starting job. Uh, he certainly earned it with his performance, and I think that he can he can be an offensive force. Jose Altuve. Uh, what I like here is the walks because abysmal walk rate when he came up to the majors last year. Not even a great walk rate in the minors, but he walked a lot this spring. That's the next frontier for Altuve to become a well-rounded hitter. Mixed league guy yet? Um, low end, yes. Adam Wainwright. Yeah, well, I think we've talked about this a lot. It's just, you know, he came into spring training, a big question mark, uh, and really resolved all the doubts and should be great this year. Number one or number two? Uh, number one. Juan Nicasio. Yeah, I mean, he's just a guy who's able to pitch, and that, you know, <laughs> to me, makes, makes him a great story because I thought his career was over uh, after a broken neck. But he didn't just pitch. He pitched well this spring. So uh, he's, a, he's a mixed league guy to me. Scott, your list now of guys you're excited about. Francisco Liriano. Yeah, 33 strikeouts compared to only five walks in 27 innings. That's what he needs to do to be effective. He wasn't able to do it last year because he was battling shoulder injury all season long. I think he's going to be back in a big way this season. D. Gordon, you're, you're loving D. Gordon. I am loving D. Gordon. Hit uh, close to 400 this spring after hitting 372 last September, I think it was. Was running like crazy. Uh, he could be a 60-steal guy. He could be one the way Juan Pierre used to be, but as a shortstop. You got into it a little bit with Nando about D. Gordon yesterday on 360, didn't you? Well, yeah, and, and I, I understand the skeptics with Gordon. He's not normally the type of player I like because he doesn't walk much and he doesn't have much power but the the fact of the matter is Juan Pierre was a very good player in fantasy for a very long time so if you can get that over again uh I'm happy to do that and also Gordon did improve his walk rate significantly this spring I don't know if it'll last but it's uh it's encouraging Brian Mattis is on your list of guys you're feeling good about uh is he a mixed league guy for you he is uh I'm uh 
it seems like I'm the only one who wants him in mixed leagues, but I'm picking him up in a lot of for a lot of my mixed league teams. Nearly a strikeout per inning. Only three walks this spring. The velocity was back up, which was the biggest issue. He was in the high 80s most of last year, back in the low 90s. Uh, I think he could potentially have an all-star caliber season. Wow. That's, bit, that's pretty bold. Well, he wouldn't be starting the all-star game, but yeah, one of the guys on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> Lorenzo Cain, you going to start him this week? No, because they are facing the top three in the Angels rotation, but... Uh, I'm certainly picking him up if he's available. Remember how this time last year Alex Gordon was coming off a good spring? He had this issue where he corrected his swing and everybody was picking him up. Kind of uncertain, but they figured, what the heck. I-, I think Lorenzo Cain could be that kind of player this year. Not a 20-homer guy, but uh, 12 to 15 homers with a healthy number of steals. And I was going to drop him for Chase Utley. Come on. I wouldn't do that. I- well, if you have a DL spot. Just pick up Utley and stash him. Yeah, well, that was before um, the DLs were were handed out. Justin Morneau, we talked about, so Chris Parmalee is the last guy on this list. Yeah, five home runs this spring, good walk rate. Obviously convinced the Twins he deserved the starting job at first base with Morneau going to DH, Ryan Domit out of the lineup, at least as far as everyday playing time goes. And and Parmalee was great last September. Uh, I think he, former first-round pick, he's a guy who could exceed his minor league numbers and and really be a relevant player in mixed leagues. In deeper leagues, like let, let's say if, if Todd Helton's worth owning in your league, Chris Parmalee's worth owning as well. Let's do some emails, fantasybaseball at cbsinteractive.com and put podcasts in the subject line. Owen has two questions. Which closer will most likely be traded at the trade deadline? I guess he has three questions because question one is a two-part question. Which closer will most likely be traded at the trade deadline? Which setup man should I be keeping my eyes on to become a closer? This is complete speculation, but we've actually mentioned it several times before. The first thing that pops into my head is Brandon League uh, because I don't see the Mariners as contenders. And I think League is heading into uh, his final uh, team-controlled season. So he seems like a natural to me, and that would uh, make probably Wilhelmson the uh, – the uh, closer in waiting that you want to target. Tom Wilhelmson. Yes. Just to throw the first name in there. Anyone else come to mind? Mm. <laughs> no. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of closer roles that are still up in the air. Um, I could see I could see Jonathan Broxton. Let's say he's the closer right. midseason for the Royals. I could see him getting traded. Sure. And I, I consider that still a roll up in the air. I yeah. guess I should clarify. So Greg Holland would be... Uh, or, or Aaron Crow also would be somebody on that list. But I guess the point as, is keep an eye on the on the Royals. Yeah, yeah. You know a deep guy, Brett Myers. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not completely confident he can keep that job. And uh, the fallback option, crap. I'm completely forgetting his name. David Carpenter would be one. Um, That's not who I'm thinking Lyon, of. There's um, Fel- uh, oh Wilton Lopez. There you go. Yeah, Wilton <laughs> Lopez. I picked him up in an NL only league just in case. Oh, okay. And number two from Owen. <clears throat> if you have to own one minor leaguer now, who would you own that would have the most fantasy impact in 2012? One pitcher, one batter. Well, uh, pitcher for me, I'm going to say Trevor Bauer. I have him actually winning in El Rookie of the Year. Uh, and then hitter Nolan Arenado. He's going to be starting for Colorado at third base sooner than later. Yeah, I can't, uh, can't beat those two. <laughs> so I'll, I'll still stop Scott's picks. Next email is from Ray Titman in San Francisco. It's a, I mean, it's a great name. I, I, can't, I can't skip over that. It's a great name. 
And he and he put in the subject line, "You have the best fantasy podcast," so you knew you were going to get your question read. I would say you leave your competition in the dust, but I don't think it really qualifies as competition. You are the best. Love the flattery, Ray. Thank you. Can you rank these closers for a head-to-head league? Uh, remembering that the head-to-head fantasy playoffs start in September, so willing to take short-term risks for greater long-term upside. Rank these guys. Farnsworth, Melanson, Houston Street, Thornton, John Marshall, Walden, and League. Well, I think I, I, I know what he's saying about the long-term upside. I think I still have to go with the guys I trust to keep their jobs, which are Walden and League. I mean, assuming he doesn't get traded, uh, he has the job for now, and if he stays in Seattle, he'll keep it. I'll go with uh, Sean Marshall, third, uh, Houston Street, fourth, because I think he could get 40 saves in San Diego if he stays healthy. Uh, then Kyle Farnsworth, Matt Thornton, and Mark Melanson, because he's going to close half a season at best, and maybe not at all. Uh, email from Chris. We'll close it out with this one. I've been hooked for the last few weeks. Can you please discuss what's going on with Alex Liddy? I can't find any news on him. That's a good question. I'd be, be perfectly uh, honest. I don't have the answer because he was on the Mariners' expanded roster for Japan. They had to let go of Three guys, and I think the three guys were Pagero and a couple of relievers. I know Sean Kelly was one, so I'm assuming that Liddy is going to be on the 25-man roster. Uh, I'm going to do just a quick look up here to confirm that, but uh, I think he'll uh, have a bench roll. Will he win the third base job is the other question. He could, but I, I, I don't put a high percentage on that, but I think he's capable of it. Yeah, I, I would give Seeger a better chance uh Sean Figgins is going to go back there once Carp comes off the DL, unless Figgins just stinks it up between now and then. Uh, but then, even if Figgins loses it at some at some point, I would I would give Seeger a better chance than Liddy. And yeah, Liddy is uh, on the twenty five man roster uh, is a bench player. Thanks, dudes. Great show today. Fantasy Baseball three sixty live five o'clock Eastern on CBSSports.com. Check it out. It's an hour long. A lot of good fantasy info. Scott's got his brave shirt on. Alan, I forgot to wear our team colors today. Everybody in the office is all geared up for opening day. Should be a really fun day around the country. Love the first day, like the real first day of baseball where just about every team is going. So we'll have a lot to talk about on tomorrow's show, including some starter sit options in the pitching department. Talk to you later, everybody.